Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Josh Lane of Peachtree Hoops and CawCast back in the day. Uh, Josh, I heard <laughs> you, I, I saw on Twitter that you had a major beef with Lloyd Pierce after tonight's loss to the Cavaliers. And, and you know, I think that's probably the best place to start. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, just just disappointed with Lloyd Pierce. I mean, after tonight's game, I was just somehow reminded he likes round table pizza. And <laughs> I think I got that one time like five years ago, and I'm just not a fan of it. Um I, that that's just It's a West beef. Coast thing, right? You want to explain it? Yeah, yeah. Round round table pizza is <laughs> How the restaurant is like, it's kind of like a CC's pizza, but oh, no. to their credit, round, round Table makes better pizza than CC's. That's but, not that hard. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> We're just um, crossing sponsors off the list. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So Round I hope Table. SB Nation doesn't have any secret deals with CC's pizza that I don't listen to or know about. Right, right. And so bef- that's all before I go and talk crap about In-N-Out Burger. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that that's my beef with you, Lloyd. I just just don't get it. Um, how you eat it? Um, get some real pizza, like uh, you know, high quality, like Papa John's. There you go. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, a couple of games in two days, maybe five good quarters. Uh, if you look at the Nets and the first quarter versus the Cavs, they kind of strung the lead out through the second and third quarters, although. By the tail end of the third quarter, it was fumes, and then the fourth quarter was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, what what should we make of this? Well, um, one thing uh, I just want to kind of point out, we kind of alluded to this on the last episode, but the Hawks are playing their third game in four nights. So yes. looking at it, I was thinking that this would be kind of like a schedule loss, and the Cavs have been a frisky, annoying team, um, at least early in the season. Yeah, I mean, they have the same record as the Hawks now, I think. Four, I think they're yeah, both four they're and also, two. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your word on that. I don't okay. have the record up in front of me. But um, they were on that undefeated uh, list like the Hawks were earlier this year. Right. And yes, you're right, four and two. So I don't – if I'm you know, a Hawks fan – just relaxed a little bit. You could tell those guys were gassed towards the end of the game. A lot of shorts were coming up. Uh, shots were coming up short. And yeah, they're just, I mean, they're just running and playing. And one team had like a 20, at least a 24 hour rest advantage over the other. So that's definitely something to uh, take in mind and consider. Yeah. The rest advantage was, was real. Um, I think you kind of saw it play out during the course of the game as the Hawks got progressively worse. They they kind of came out with a a strong first quarter. I think DeAndre Hunter had 10 or 12 points in that first quarter. I, I want to say 12 because I think he had 10 and then left and came back in before the quarter was over. Um, he honestly, you know, you look at the game and the theme was that the Hawks sort of looked tired. Uh, Trey... Didn't seem to have the juice when he came back in in the fourth quarter. 
shots were kind of off. He tried to manufacture some stuff to his credit, you know, uh, tried to draw some fouls. I think he even hit a bank shot when he was trying to draw a foul and didn't get it. And he still flung in kind of a heave of a shot, but you know, they were trying, yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, mental. But, but, oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just saying in addition to what you're saying that they were having mental errors as well, which also comes with yeah, time. for sure. Yeah. You put a number out there and the Hawks had that number of seconds in a violation tonight. Uh, it was pretty uncanny. We had an eight second violation, a five second violation. Bruno got a technical foul on offense. Uh, there were lots of uh, strange, bizarro things that, that happened that certainly didn't need to happen. But in terms of fatigue, the one thing that I was encouraged about and is that you know DeAndre Hunter doesn't look like he gets tired. <laughs> He's such a strong kid. I mean, yeah, that first quarter dunk, I'm not really sure how they didn't call it an and one, but it's pretty amazing that, you know, he, he drives, he's got Andre Drummond coming in for help. Drummond gets him first on the forearm. Then he gets the ball after he whacked his forearm and Hunter just kind of kept going and still just kind of slipped it over the rim. <laughs> and it's like, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's, that's something for, for a second year player. I know he's an older second year player, but. My goodness, is he strong? Yeah. um, He's been playing really well to start the season, just kind of building on last year's trial by fire of telling him to go guard everyone, all the toughest people in his rookie year. So he's just built on the season. And that dunk that you mentioned, just amazing that he continued through the contact considering Considering if you look how big Andre Drummond is physically, it's like, wow, you you kept going. <laughs> Extra yeah. credit. Yeah, that's 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 some doing. I mean, I don't I don't know how to how we should go through this or direct it through the positives or the negatives, but um, my apology needs to be as loud as my disrespect, if if we can use that saying here. Uh, whatever I said about Clint Capella last time, I think it was in the pod with both you and Glenn. I take it all back. Uh, again, I, you know, all, all pretty much everything that that we said uh, was wrong, except for the good stuff. Because we gave, you know, I did give him credit last time. Uh, he's an amazing rebounder, and he did that again tonight. Like he had an, an uncanny number of offensive rebounds, which you know, doing that against the Cavaliers is a pretty good feat. Uh, he, he was relentless, just, you know, jump and tip, jump and tip, jump and tip. And for a guy that big, that's that's something. He had a, a steal where he went the entire length of the court on one dribble. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, okay. You know, he, he he didn't, you know, fool around with it. He did the, you know, what, what a big guard would do, what Giannis would do, which is just kind of get the ball way the heck out in front of you and run up to go get it. It's like that's pretty slick, um, and he did that right after he took a hard fall and looked like you know it might be something more serious. Uh, so you know, what that? yes. Oh, I'm 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 sorry. Go ahead. No, it was it was oh. the time for you to jump in. Go. Oh well, um, two things. Uh, one on that fall, I thought he was holding his knee, and I was my heart stopped for a second. Right, but uh, he was fine. But um, secondly, 
I believe I think I'm the one that owes the apology, not not you. I'm I'm gonna be more gracious here because wow. I'm the one I I remember I said he looked like he was playing hurt. And oh, okay. I believe you and Glenn my, maybe it was Glenn, and we need to give him all the credit in the world here. Um, Glenn Willis, everybody. He didn't pay me to to tag him or anything. But he said he looked like he was getting his legs under him. And he said he would be able to tell this the more that um, Capella runs runs the length of the court. And the more he's, um, I guess you'd say, diving, diving after a screen or just diving for the basket. And that was on full display today. And I would say I apologize, Clint, and everyone who listens that listen to me criticize that because he he looked like he, he's getting back. Um he had a couple of nice finishes to logs um between this game and the last game, as well as you mentioned just offensive rebounds with Andre Drummond of all players who has like who's like a vacuum for rebounds. Um Clint Capella was battling with him and tipping it up and tipping it to himself and getting, you know, second and third chances for that, which was just fantastic, like the plus to that. Yeah. Just positive. I hear you there. Um, where else well, should we start here? <laughs> where do you want to go with this? What was wrong? Like, what, what didn't you like besides the fatigue factor? Well, well, let, let me point out one other thing I, I did like um, okay. that I kind of just noticed with this game before we go to what we did like. Um, what I did like was um, it looks like John Collins and Capella are starting to kind of like gel with playing each other. John is right. starting to realize, you know, what Capella can do. And that was kind of the explanation on it was, I believe, a play in the second or third quarter where John just got the ball kind of in the high pow- high post and he threw a lob a lob to Capella. And it was just like, wow, they're they are really jelly. And that's just something that's just gonna happen through the rest of, you know, that's gonna have to happen with them playing with each other. But it was definitely nice to see that that they're getting used to playing with each other opposed to uh, earlier in the year. We were kind of wondering, uh how's this gonna work with two guys that dive to the basket? But right. Yes, that that was my positive thing. Now to the negative. Um, one Wait, thing I, I have to since you brought up that positive, I want to say more about that positive. Uh, yes. Yeah, I like yes. I like that one that one lob John threw. That's a really great sign for the Hawks that he can make reads like that on the short roll. So like he's running a he's running a play with with Trey. It's a pick and roll with him and Trey, and he's got to look behind him a little bit just to receive the pass from Trey. And then he has that extremely short window where, you know, he kind of turns and gets to face in front of him and he sees Clint behind the defense and makes that law. But that's that's not a simple pass. That's a very advanced pass from John. So that's that's a, a big plus on on his count. One of the things I like defensively, and this actually goes more back to the Brooklyn game, but I think we saw a little bit of it tonight with when John was out there guarding Larry Nance is that uh, it's not something that you see too much of necessarily in 2020, but in the Brooklyn game, John was guarding Timothy Luau Cabarro, 
and in this game he was guarding Nance and you know by putting Capella on the big guys whether it's you know DeAndre Jordan or um, Andre Drummond or somebody like that with John at the power forward if he's guarding somebody who isn't necessarily a lights out shooter they can kind of get some nice help defense from the power forward spot stuff that you usually only get from your center uh, you know he he didn't have to guard TLC in the Brooklyn game necessarily that tightly or if you were if you were going to kind of lean off of, of somebody and get some help somewhere that was the guy off of whom you could do it and you could kind of see him freelancing and offering help in the right spots where help were needed so it was it was it was it's kind of good to see John who's I think you know advancing as a defender yes uh, yes advancing as a help defender Yeah, his continued growth into this third season. Um, just, just what's really good. And I, ha- I have another positive, but um, well, yeah, never mind. I don't know if it's positive. Now that I think about it, what is it? Well, I was just something I was noticing um, for this year uh, so far into the season. Um, mm-hmm. Just the combined overall play of Kevin, uh, Herder, and Reddish, just they continue, they have improved another year. Yes, they're younger players, but them continuing to improve um, is just really solid for their rotation, uh, just all three players and for the team. And, you know, while one player uh, I question offensively, he, um, he still had uh, great instincts on defense and just it's you have to be encouraged as a Hawks fan to see those three players that are kind of like the role players for the team continue to improve. Yeah, I would push back on that a little bit. Oh, no. Okay. And this is on a very short-term thing. I'm just talking about last night and tonight. So this is Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yes. Let, let, let me have it. It. Uh, it. It's funny. I don't know if we should start with the positive or the negative. Uh, in Friday's game, in the Brooklyn game, okay. there was a stretch. And I think this this must be – it was in the second half, kind of in the middle of the second half. So I think it's like early fourth quarter. Uh, the Hawks' offense was kind of bobbling a little bit. Oh, so, this! Yep. Uh, you know the the Nets kind of settled in. They were kind of the Hawks were trying to run some offense through Kevin Herter, and the Nets were doing a pretty good job of of getting into his dribble and making life difficult for him. There was a turnover, some some puttering offense, and then Bogdanovich got pulled from the game, and he looked upset with Lloyd Pierce. Like Lloyd tried to like. Uh, you know, give him a fist bump or something, and Bogdanovich just kind of kept going. This is this is something Glenn noted, so I had to go back and see it a second time because it wasn't a great camera angle to see it. But uh, when Bogdanovich went out, Cam came in with playing with mostly with a second unit lineup, and Cam had had a terrible first half. I thought just really didn't have much going at all on either end, and you know he. He did a good job settling the offense that it that kind of looked like it was about to falter. Uh, he hit a couple jump shots, made the right decisions. 
And I thought it was good in that situation with Cam with the second unit. Yeah, you know, this is a, you know, a 21-year-old who for the first 19 years of his life was by far the best, well, I guess not when you're playing with Zion, but you know, he was the guy that had the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, yeah. he, 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 was the, he was the player that his coach wanted to have the ball in his hands, and he doesn't get to do that as much now. And he had the last nine months off, and he just looked more comfortable getting to play with the ball as opposed to playing off it. And it, it paid dividends, I thought, in helping the Hawks pull out that win, right? You know, as much as they, they kind of coughed one up to Cleveland, uh, they could have coughed one up to Brooklyn. And in that stretch, they didn't. It kind of settled them, and then they pulled it out in the stretch. So I thought that was good from Cam, but just the last two games, and and I don't know like how to how much we can differentiate this, but it just it feels like he's taken the gambling to too much of a level. Like you know, they the the Hawks clearly play an aggressive style of offense. There's a lot of ball denial when passes go to the wing and Cam is there, but he is lunging after everything and getting out of position. And then the defense has to rotate behind him in a lot of cases. And it just feels hmm. like whatever, you know, whatever the, you know, the dial is where you can kind of turn it off or turn it on or vary the level in between. It seems like he's maybe he has to pick his poison a little bit more carefully on the plays hmm. where, you know, the pass goes from the middle to the wing and he wants to get that deflection um, because he's, he's not getting enough of them. Uh, the, doesn't seem like the ratio is quite right. Huh, that's a good observation. He, um, earlier, well, at least in this game that happened tonight on today's Saturday. Yes, Saturday night against the Cavs. He had a couple where he was um, deflecting balls by yeah. in the backcourt. But you're right. You, you are right, and you make me kind of want to go back on what I said, but I'm going to stand strong and stay with the statement that I like. I like. I like their improvement, but yes, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't help. And I kind of wanted Lloyd to do the same thing tonight. Like when the offense was kind of dying a slow death in the fourth quarter, the cam hadn't had a particularly good game, but in that moment I was like, well, you know, for what it's worth, I, you know, flip-flopping bogey and cam to me in that moment, I would have been on board for that. Whatever they had going wasn't particularly working. I know they had to, you know, I saw a lot of things on Twitter. Oh, the starters got to go back. Well, you can't play the starters for all of them for 12 minutes for the entire fourth quarter. You had to use some bench right. players there. And you could you can mix and match, but you can't just say, you know what? Yeah, starters, second night of a back-to-back. Go, go give me 12 minutes in the fourth. That's not going to happen. Um, but you right. can put a starter in knowing that you're going to have to rest them later. And to, to me, I would have tried Cam. Uh, you know, the other thing that, you know, I saw said on Twitter, and I see a lot of crazy things on Twitter that don't make any sense to me. But, you know, one was, well, you know, where's Nathan Knight? Um, and I would have been okay with that. Like, I don't know that it's a necessity. He's a guy, you know, he's a two-way player. Um, Cleveland probably would have bullied him a lot. But I think he's more of a jump shooting center than just about anybody they have on the roster, save for John. And they need, you know, you need John at power forward, especially when Gallinari's not there. You don't get as many minutes of him with center, at center. Uh, maybe if you 
you know, Solomon Hill or somebody is having a better night, then you get some power forward minutes from Solomon Hill and John can play more center or something like that. But it just, that really probably wasn't going to work tonight. So absent of that, like, you know, try a few minutes for Nathan Knight, see if he hits a three, see if that loosens up the defense. Cause JaVale McGee, uh, when Bruno was in there on offense, uh, you know, JaVale kind of had his way in terms of, uh, just making it so that the Hawks couldn't score anything at the rim. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't good. Um, Bruno, Bruno I tried mean, a three tonight. I, I, I want to say that I was the first that. one of the season. Didn't go in, but I, you know, I, for a while I had, you know, I'm wondering, he didn't shoot a great percentage last season. I've, I've seen him shoot them in practice. And, you know, if you told me that he was going to be a decent shooter from three, a couple of seasons from now, if he's, if, you know, he's, he gets a spot in the league like that would make sense to me. But right now he's not shooting a volume and he, I don't think he's made one yet this season. So, uh, you know, if, if you use Nathan Knight in that moment, uh, you know, and, and it's easy to say that after a loss in, in hindsight. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of like how you mentioned just them being, them being tired because of a back to back and they, they can't play the entire fourth quarter, the starters, but right. I get, I guess to me in hindsight, um, kind of doing that little substitution bogey for, um, Cam Reddish just to see if there would be some sort of spark with the second unit that, eh, I mean, that could have been a good idea. <laughs> um, and just, just to see if that would have caused something, but I don't know. The guys were just so tired in general. I don't know what more of a difference you could have done. But even, I guess at that point, it's not like Cam was having a spectacular offensive game up until no, that point. No, no. Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's more just a, a different role. Like, you know, when he's out there with, with Trey, that's a different situation than when he's out there without Trey. Right, right. And, and the yeah. thing is, like, you know, for for somebody like Cam who gets comfortable with the ball in his hands and he's playing with Trey, you know, DeAndre Hunter has been really good with the ball in his hands for two games now, right? He kind of got in a rhythm doing that sort of thing against Kyrie Irving when Kyrie was defending him. But then tonight yes. he looks strong even with other guys defending him. And when he gets in a comfort zone and he's the secondary creator behind Trey, then that bumps Cam even further down the line out of his comfort zone. So, yeah, that's I, – I didn't think Cam was necessarily playing well. It was just, you know, just uh, sort of playing mix and match to, to try to get people comfortable. See, th- this is why – um, you you hold these podcasts so you can no. point these things out to me, Stop. not just the audience, but to me in particular. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a very good point though. Um, what you bring up, he for for the sake of just the starting lineup, say Cam is the uh, fifth option offense, and with the starters, and he goes and plays with the second unit, he would probably be one of the. Um, probably be either the first or second option in the sense of doing something he's more comfortable with in his mind. Right. Now, you know, that's still. And it's different without Rondo. Like, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind well, of a shared thing. Kevin would do some of it and Bogey would do some of it. And of course, if Rondo's there, Rondo's going to do a lot of it. Uh, but just, you know, in the moments where you don't have a Rondo and with the offenses puttering, 
I don't know. I would I would have thought about it. That that's a good suggestion because me, I personally don't know what else Lloyd Pierce could have done, just because yeah. uh, j- just because of the limited minutes, and you saw how gassed everyone was at the end. So personally, I'm not that sure, but. I get yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe some maybe that's something, um, much like with Capella and his running that was mentioned in the last episode um on here, is just something to watch out in the future if Reddish uh sees more minutes with that second unit and to see if he um is more of a ball handler with the second unit. Because I know that's something we did see in, in the uh preseason. Those limited <laughs> amount of games in the preseason. We did see that with Cam Reddish. So maybe, you know, just for the sake of the season, that's something to watch out for um, in the future. But, oh, boy. But besides that, just, yeah, he was kind of rough with the starters (laughs) watching him. But I'm going to – It was a tough ending. It was a tough ending. Um, What's also tough is – and this is how well uh, Clint Capella has been, but um, Capella was 0 for 5 from the free throw line tonight. In addition to that, he was 0 for 2 on at least on whenever uh, Atlanta played Brooklyn. So it's tough knowing that he missed seven straight free throws. And in a close game like this, I know fans are going to look at that and be at least – and think, oh, we could have had it. But I don't know. Maybe to me, that kind of just shows how well he was playing and getting back to health for that to kind of just be like, I don't want to say an afterthought, but, but just a little glossed over. Am yeah. I crazy for thinking that? No, that seems fair. That seems fair. Uh, well, Brandon Goodwin, he got a game ball last night. Uh, Did said. Yeah. Brandon oh, good one. I knew if I kept believing and quit hating on him that um, that he would get a game ball. I take full credit for this, everyone, because I was hating on Brandon Goodwin. And since he must have personally read my tweets and complaints out there in the universe, he said, I'm going to show Josh Lane, show him up, and start playing well. But, I mean, for what he is, he's He's been playing well, and he even had today a couple of finishes at the rim, which is something I know in the past has been an issue for him. Right, and I think you know one of the things that makes that better is that he wasn't finishing as many plays in the rim, it, really in either game, that he was much yeah. more willing to drive the paint, collapse the defense, and see who was open. So when he gets more selective about taking those chances at the rim and only taking the ones that are the best and then, you know, filing the rest out uh, and sharing the ball with his teammates, I thought he did a really good job driving and kicking for two games, much, much better than anything we saw in the preseason of the first two games. Yeah, um, it seems like uh, there is a... Uh-oh, did I lose you? Sorry, sorry. I think my phone just started to complain to me, saying I'm being too loud late at night, uh, getting Uh-oh. worked up about the Hawks. Oh no! <laughs> no, I'm I, I'm good now. I, apologies, everyone. 
Um, I was saying there was a play earlier this year where I believe it was a two-on-one fast break. And it it was to John John Collins was the other player in the fast break. And he himself took the layup and missed it. And anyone who's a, you know, Hawks fan been watching, we were expecting uh, a John Collins lob and, you know, a a thunderous dunk that he does. Right. Uh, At least John does. And it just seems like after that, (laughs) it's like, you know, he must have been sat down, shown that film, and said, all right, man, this is what you need to do. Right, and it's not an easy pass. Like, it's still a sophisticated pass. You know, finding the angle for it, making sure it doesn't get, making sure it doesn't get deflected. You know, I, right. I kind of criticized it, just saying, you know, when, when it's a two-on-one and John's there, you just you go for it because even the risk in the pass is worth it because if he does get his hands on it, you know, that it's almost assuredly a good thing. I know he missed a dunk tonight, but I was okay with that missed dunk tonight because the situation, I think he was just trying to, I think he was trying to power through a foul that he anticipated coming that never came, but it was, you know, a yeah. point game and there was the defense was right there. And I think he thought the contact was coming. Let me go ahead and just mash this through the contact. And then there was no contact and he just kind of flung the ball off the back of the basket Oh man, you took what I was gonna say. Darn it, no. <laughs> darn, darn it! You doing that? No, I was gonna say. But yeah, um, if if John's open and it's a two on one break, it's got to go. And honestly, if you you try the pass and you fail, that's still a better attempt than than trying the shot and missing the shot. Yeah, I'm not even yes. saying that it's a gimme. I but you you still go for it. Is I guess is my point. <laughs> yes, it, it's the smart play to do. Yeah. Smart uh, statistically. Um, the numbers like that. That reminds me of something that I wanted to put on a podcast sometime, and it's probably not apt because oh, uh, Trey uh, hasn't gotten as many free throws tonight. He just didn't, you know, didn't get a ton of free throws tonight. Didn't get a ton of free throws last night. Um, get out of my head. <laughs> but to to go, you know, to to go back to the oft-repeated criticism that, oh, that's not a foul. I, you know, he's getting fouled from behind. It's it's fake and it's manufactured and it's not real basketball. Like, you know, the reason Trey gets fouled from behind is, you know, twofold. One is that he's an unbelievable shooter. Like, his range goes to 32 feet. He converts it as a high percentage. He has a wonderful dribble. He can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot catch and shoot. Like he's he's got it all in terms of shooting and all the moves that you need to set up shots. So when it's a pick and roll and he's twenty eight feet from the basket, and I've I've said this part before, you know, teams have to chase over the pick and roll. You can't go it's, under. It's, and yeah, and it, and it's math, right? I mean, analytics get criticized for a lot of things, and um. You know, teams know the math, which is, generally speaking, floaters are crap, right? Like, the points that you're going to get aren't that great. Like, if you can get a layup, great. If you can get a dunk, great. If you can get free throws, great. If you can get a three-pointer, you know, generally pretty good if you get the right three-pointer. Like, those are the quality shots that teams want to make. They don't really want to make floaters. Um, But, you know, if you're facing a team that plays, like, uh, a drop pick and roll coverage if they're dropping the big whether they chase over or go under if, if the big is dropping it's going to be hard to get that layup and so there now you've got a floater opportunity of, of varying quality and even somebody who gets good floater looks like trey 
who is good at making floaters like Trey, the math on that is still kind of bad. So what can you do to make it better? Well, the math gets better if you shoot free throws, right? I mean, teams are going to try to win the math by making you shoot a floater. You try to win it back by getting free throws. So when they, when they right. chase them over the screen and they're trying to force him down into that floater zone, if he can hit the brakes and have somebody come crashing into him from behind, that's, you know, that's your statisticians and your research teams and just basketball history saying, uh, you know, you, you're going to be better off trying to draw that foul than, than take a floater if, if you're given the option between those two. And then, of course, if you don't get bummed, you could still go get the floater, but, you know, it's going to be worth it for Trey to try because it definitely swings the math in his favor. Trey, that was long yeah. and it didn't apply, but it's something that I've been I'll, thinking about that I'm not going to write anywhere. And it just seemed like it belonged in a podcast <laughs> and, and I'll forget it if I wait another week. So it goes in now, even when it doesn't seem like the topic du jour. And here we go. Furthermore to that point, Trey is shooting right under 91% from Ooh, the free throw. Yeah, speaking of math. Yeah. Um, that 91% is a number I would have killed for when I was trying to graduate from college in some of my classes. Um, and it's like you mentioned, you can't go under on a screen from him or he'll shoot it. And he's pretty good when he's wide open. Um, you go over the screen. The thing that I see is, or at least Glenn had to point this out to me, is a lot of players trail him closely. And it's like you mentioned, like he's so deadly off the dribble, you have to stay close to him. And that's where he just stops and kind of draws the foul. Now, he teams have started to adjust to this. And, you know, credit to Trey because he he's able to exploit this. But uh, to me, it just seems like teams are able to start to adjust to this because he had, I believe, four free throws last game and four free throws again tonight, which is, you know, a much smaller number than before. So that's something... Um, I'll try to pay, I'm going to try to pay attention to in the future to see how teams react. Um, are they going to start to go, uh, start to trail him again, or is he just going to get more opportunities for floater, um, that you mentioned? And you did mention he's really good at, uh, converting floaters, but, um, yeah, that's, I'm just going to let it be known on here. It's his free throws have uh, significantly decreased. And if I'm going to go full Homer and crazy here, I'm going to say I blame Steve Nash because ever since he uh, blamed, ever since he pointed that out, less free throws. So darn you. <laughs> That's, that is purely the excuse I'm going with. And I'm glad you see uh, what I'm doing there. I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm just going off the cuff here. It's something that I've been thinking about. It doesn't even have anything to do oh. with the Hawks. Oh, boy. You were engaging in schadenfreude. I, I'm schadenfreude. I'm not going to get that right. <laughs> okay. What I do now. It's late. That's what I want. <laughs> you said something to the effect of, man, I would like to be a Hawks fan in Warriors country this season. Something to that effect on Twitter. So, Do you recall this? So I, I, I recall this, and I'll give a quick uh, recap for people that, you know, don't, don't know me. Okay. Um, for the past five years, I lived in Northern California, right, out, right outside of Oakland and city of Benicia Vallejo. 
Um, the Warriors were good the past five years, and yeah, I they were. <laughs> the Warriors were good the past five years, and getting to Oracle was darn near impossible um, <laughs> during that time frame. Okay. Um, I I had to hear from Warriors fans for years for those five years I was there, <laughs> just everywhere I went, and just. That's the only thing I miss about uh, moving from there is I would love to go back to, you know, my old barber shop that I was up there that the guys with their um, their Durant Warriors jerseys. Uh, fun fact, my barber had a Kevin Durant Warriors jersey at his booth and had that um, had nice that and crisp. right next to his mirror. Yeah, right next to his mirror. <laughs> um, so just it, it would just be wonderful to speak with them this year. Um, just given everything, but, uh, that, that's kind of the smack talk I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, that I'd love to, you know, follow up with. Um, I think, uh, currently it's been replaced with his, um, LeBron, um, his LeBron Jersey for the Lakers, but <laughs> a Cowboys Jersey, a Yankees Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, um, his LeBron jersey, but um, that's neither here nor there. So, okay, what? Well, so I wanted to probe this further, which is okay. What? What is the Warriors' path to being good again? Like, I like Steph. Like, he's amazing. Like, he's the greatest shooter in NBA history. An unbelievable talent, worthy of the accolades he's gotten and the success he's he's had same for clay although clay's you know going to be coming off a, a serious injury but if you have clay and steph at this point in their careers with the injuries that have dinged them up you got james wiseman you've got draymond to his age is there a path for them to be a real contender again like I'm I'm worried. Like I I don't know. Like like even if you you know let's say there's some range of outcomes for each of those players and they come out with the 80th percent best outcome, like something pretty good for Trey and some or something pretty good for Steph and something pretty good for <laughs> Clay. I got stuck between Steph and Clay and said Trey, that's not great. Get me in trouble. Oh, um, you know. They've been compared to as the same player in the past. Uh, I've, I've heard that. Um, <laughs> they just, you know, it's been so many years where they've cashed in assets to get a good player and they're paying through the nose and the luxury tax and they have James Wiseman, but like the, you know, the, the, the stable of talent that goes beyond that, beyond, Steph, Clay, Wiseman, and Draymond Green, like, it gets barren really fast. So I'll, I'll point out a couple, um, a thing real quick um, for those that are unfamiliar with the California kind of area, the, uh, the area. It was a big deal that they moved back to San Francisco. Um, they've been in Oracle, which is in Oakland, for the longest. And for those kind of like unfamiliar with the landscape, um, they're literally separated by a bridge. Um, they're right across from the water from each other. Um, Oakland kind of has like, you know, treat it like the younger brother, whereas San Francisco is like the, you know, nice tech area. So that's where um, 
the Warriors want to go move to in the new area. So that that didn't go up well over with people there that I'm aware of, that I know of. And another thing is they got, you know, this huge new stadium in San Francisco. So I'm thinking they're going to – yeah. I'm thinking they're going to want to win sooner or later. Um, but the path to it, um, I would whisper um, – <laughs> Not, not to, um, you know, I, I feel dirty and bad for even saying this, but this season might be kind of the best season to not do well, considering they don't oh, really, sure. considering um, this is supposed to be a strong draft class, as well as there's an excuse for not as many fans being, at least selling tickets because of this whole pandemic that's going on. So if the Warriors are patient, um, next year, ideally, they should have Steph and Clay. Um, granted, whatever version of Clay that they have, they'll have the second year out of Wiseman. And then if they're, say, bad again this year and they're going to somehow end up early or somewhere in the lottery, um, they should have a lottery pick in what's supposed to be a strong draft. Now, what they do with that, I'm not sure. Um, right. If they're going to try to um, find another quality player to put with Steph Clay, Draymond, and X player, then that might be the closest that you have for, um, I guess, building back to contention, especially since I think they're going to be in a win now. Since they have that new stadium in San Francisco, which, oh my goodness, trying to they have some bills to pay. It's populated. It, yeah, they got some bills to pay. Uh, they're in a, I guess, nice-ish part of town, um, especially kind of compared to where Oracle was. In in my opinion, uh, for from having been there, Oracle was right off the highway and right next to the airport, and. Sanford getting to the stadium in San Francisco is like a uh, is like one of those Iron Man competitions. You gotta like run obstacle courses and getting really well. Um, get driving into San Francisco is darn near impossible. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, just because public transportation, just because or no, uh, yes, they have the uh, the BART out there. You, you can get there through there through that, but. Uh, it's just harder because a lot more people live closer to Oakland, if that makes sense, than San Francisco and getting out there because of the water. So, yeah, they got some bills to pay. And I don't know if they're going to be patient with um, wise men and whatever future pick they have. So that that's my quick answer. Um, I wish I could go back to my um, – I wish I could go back to my barber and ask him as he uh, puts on his Kevin Durant uh, Warriors jersey <laughs> uh, what, what they should do. But that is my answer. Um, I don't know. M- maybe Andrew Wiggins will come through and be the player everyone thought he would be come draft time all those years ago. I think that ship has circumnavigated the globe already. <laughs> oh, has it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we were, I don't know. Man, we were dumb. I, 
I remember whenever we were all having arguments for, um, was it, it was Jabari Parker and it was Jabari Andrew Wiggins. Parker, Andrew Wiggins, and Joel Embiid, who had just broken his foot, and Dante Exum, sort of in the mix <laughs> as well, who we saw tonight. That's, yeah. Crazy. Um, I just remember that, and it was just crazy how we all thought, uh, you know, Wiggins was going to be the next uh, whatever. It was supposed to be uh, LeBron and Carmelo. That that was the uh, comparison at the time. Ooh. Oh boy, are we are that? That's why I don't do draft stuff because I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to backfill in here before we finish? Yeah. Um, first of all, I apologize. I forgot this was a Hawks podcast because I kind of went on my little tangent about uh, complaining about Warriors fans. But um, back back to the Hawks. Um, free throws is one thing I want to point out and also kind of the rotation of the second unit. Um, okay. I will be interested to see if Cam Reddish does get more time with the second unit where he can be more of a focal point in the offense. I think that maybe is some part of it is sort of defensively. Or I mean, part of it's like a defensive issue because I think that you, know, you like having your good defenders out there with Trey. That's that's one, right? I mean, you, you separate Cam and Trey for offensive reasons, but for defensive reasons, you want them together. And similarly, right. I think they're trying to hide more guys defensively on the second unit and then play a zone at times with that second unit. Um, you know, the zone, zone's been interesting. Like Kev, Kevin Herter, I think, had like a career-high four steals playing a lot of zone the other day and just kind of making the right reads in center field. Um, you know, And that works at times uh, to, to create a good defense for some guys who aren't necessarily uh, owners of super strong defensive reputations. But, you know then you've got to think about what happens offensively. Um, and again, you know, all of this is happening with a bunch of injuries to Rondo and Gallinari and Chris Dunn and Tony Snell and uh, Anyeka Kongwu. I mean, again, I don't know who ends up in the rotation out of those guys, but it's it's still a, a something issue because, um, you know, if somebody like a Kongwu comes in, then Collins can play different positions and then Hunter can play different positions and, you know, it's a trickle-down effect, but, you know, I think the main reason for, for not doing it is is for defense, for all that stuff we just said, or I just said. Well, it's going to be interesting with defense um, if and when Gallinari comes back to the team to see uh, how that works out. Um, besides that... Um, See if uh, Trey uh, gets back to the uh, free throw line more. But, I mean, overall tonight, I would take it as a schedule loss. Fans, don't don't be uh, too kind of stressed because it's second game in two nights. And, you know, they, they were probably spent playing the Nets in all teams. And this team, at least between uh, Garland and uh, Sexton, they like to run. Those are two quick guards. Yes. And that is energy right there to use. So, you know, credit Cleveland for uh, coming in. The um, only thing I missed, there was a possession in 
I forgot if it was the first or second quarter, but Thawne Maker made an appearance. Mm-hmm. And there was a possession where I guess Cleveland completely missed that there was a switch where Maker was on Trey in the paint. Um, and for me to say that is I was hoping Thawne Maker would make an appearance in the second half again. <laughs> and sadly, he did got a little shorter. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of hoping he would make an appearance again so they could see that shutdown defense of uh, Trey on Thon Maker in the paint and not pass him the ball at all. So just, just I don't know, Some, something that kind of like caught my eye. But um, I'm sure within the next couple of days, um, if I rewatch the game, there might be things to watch out for. I now know, uh, thanks to you and Gwen and the more I listen to you guys, I need to look out for um, fist bumps going towards the huddle. Um, it's something <laughs> I did not pay attention to before, but you heard it here first on ATL on 29. You got to look at those fist bumps, those, those uh, high fives. But um, that's all I got. Um, disappointing game, but, you know, this happens in this early of the year. And thus, a lot of the players are still trying to get their legs. And. Uh, still trying to gel the playing with each other. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. That's that's a lot for uh, for Saturday <laughs> night, late at night. So good. Uh, this is what All I right. live for. This is my Saturday night. I don't go out. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Josh. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on. And. Um, Hoping, hoping to get the three man again going sometime, so I can uh, listen to these these takes that I completely miss when I watch. Excellent. All right, sir. Have a good night. Thank you. You as well.